What's up, everybody? This is Chris Kane here with the Sunday Evening Podcast. I got my boy Everett Ryan with me today. What's up? What's up? And um, we're going to talk about a few topics. We discuss a lot of this stuff off the air, but we decided let's just put it on tape so people can hear about it. Yeah. So we were really discussing what it's like to be like caught in a rut. And being out in L.A., everyone's trying to like perform. Everyone's trying to like make it in some capacity. And it's real easy to like be going hard, right? You got doing shows, auditions, and doing all that stuff. And then all of a sudden, you just kind of get tripped up. Finances, relationships, whatever. And then you kind of get stuck in a rut, and then it's hard to try to get it back. So Everett was telling me about his stories. So I'm going to let him kind of hop into it a little bit. Yeah, man. So I was actually just talking to Baye about this yesterday. But um, long story short, I moved out to L.A. Well, I, I knew I always wanted, not always, but back in like after high school, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And then I decided that um, I decided that I wanted to get into acting. So I went to a junior college, took some acting classes, loved it, decided to major in it, got my associate's degree in it. Then transferred to uh, to a school in L.A. to Pepperdine um, for an excuse to get me out in L.A. and act. Um, got my degree in theater there, and then hit the ground running in 2015. Um, just like all the other actors out here in L.A., just, you know, you go out to L.A. and you're like, "All right, I'm gonna do this shit" without any real plan. But you know, yeah, like right. I, you're you're hella motivated, especially when you come out of you know, especially when you come out of college with that degree, and you're like, shit, I'm better than all these fools, man. I, I can do this shit. I got this degree. When, But then you kind of get out here, and, you know, over the past two years, I've kind of realized, wow, my degree don't mean a damn thing. It don't mean anything, you know? And so it's kind of, uh, and you know, and it's kind of when you come to that realization or when you learn that, yeah, it's a good thing to learn, but it also kind of hurts. It hurts your ego a little bit, like, damn, man, like, I was ready, but, like, things just get harder and harder and harder, and there are times when you just want to say, like, you kind of question your own existence or at least your own purpose of, like, dang, what am I doing? Um, I was talking to Baye yesterday, and he was talking about it almost becomes sacrificial the way that we treat what we want to do. We treat... Our, our dreams, quote unquote, um, because you know we we find ourselves struggling so much, struggling for this thing that we want on the other side of the mountain that we something that we can't even see. So we we decide that you know I'm gonna sacrifice sleep, I'm gonna sacrifice my nutrition, I'm gonna sacrifice everything so I can get this thing that I don't even know what it's gonna look like on the other side of the mountain. Yeah. Meanwhile, we're over here it's like, like testify. It, yeah, <laughs> right. It's like meanwhile, like we watch all the, we kind of ignore all the good things that kind of go by, mm-hmm. um, you know. So mm-hmm. that that get, that kind of gets a, a little, um, you know. It it's it's you, it's almost like you have to find a balance between the two. It's like you you got to still have that motivation, but you got to do everything within reason. You know, like I know a lot of people, and you. You'd see, you'll see driving around L.A., you'll see a lot of cats out there on Skid Row, you know, that completely sacrificed everything to try and make it work, and it just didn't work out. But at that point, they, they sacrificed their responsibilities and everything, and that, then it gets to a point where, like, they physically cannot even chase their dream because they don't have any kind of resources. They don't have a place to live. They don't have food. Like, there's no way you can do it. So, um 
So that being said, like being stuck in a rut, often, <laughs> often, um, I've learned that you know you kind of have to find that that balance of like okay, like my parents say it this way. It's like you want to you want to have that steady foundation, so you're not always in your head thinking like dang I gotta pay rent. You're not always in a funk like dang I gotta pay rent. I gotta eat. I gotta do this. But then you got an audition and you got to go in there with a clear head, but you can't because you're so worried about all this outside shit. You know what I mean? So, uh, so yeah, that's that's. I mean, that that's just one of the things I've learned in the two years that I've been trying to. I've been out here trying to do this thing, but I don't know. I know you've had a little different experience because uh, yeah. slightly different because you're you're more on the uh, the stand up side, the comedy side. Yeah, yeah, it's different. So. It's um, it's a different it's a different approach to it. Um. I mean, I've been here for a year, right? So I haven't, I didn't go to college to do stand-up comedy. Right. And somebody going to kill the game. Um, I, I cultivated whatever level of my craft I did in Florida, like mostly Miami. And, you know, I moved out here to try to test myself. It's really what, that's what it, most, that's really, that's what, that's what it was, just to test myself. Um, I know all the top comics in Miami, and some of them are probably listening now. And... There's a couple dudes who I thought definitely were better just because they have, they were more seasoned. But I didn't feel like anybody was in, like, a different, like, league or anything. So it was like, all right, cool. If I'm near the top discussion here, then I need to probably go to a bigger pool, right, essentially. And L.A. Is, and LA and New York are the two biggest pools, but I wasn't going to New York for nothing. Oh, yeah. I'm not, I can't <laughs> fade that weather, man. I'm a Florida boy, so yeah, I, I couldn't fade the weather. But I want to come out here to really – test myself the same way I do with my jobs and relationships and that whole thing. I really do believe in self-improvement, but through through trial. Like, I think you have to like go through some hard shit to come out the other side of it. Absolutely. And I don't, I'm never really complacent. I don't like that feeling. Mm-hmm. I, like the, I like striving to be better always. And even when you fall short, it just gives you an excuse to kind of keep going. It's kind of like this, it's, a, it's like a trap way of thinking where I got to be the best. And if you fall short, yeah, well, I got to keep trying to be the best. You kind of keep going. Right. And I guess at a certain point, I can get destructive. But yeah. um, for where I am right now, this is how I want to live. Because to get to where I want to get to, where I'm mentioned in the same category as all these people, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm a name drop just because it's my podcast, whatever. Right. I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, was, I was talking to Bill Bellamy today. Oh, yeah. And I've talked to Bill numerous times. But I swear I'm related to that dude. I don't think so. I, I think I am. My, well, co- my it's like my second cousin's. It's like my second cousin's uncle or something like that. He might be. He might right. be. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Bill's Bill's mad cool, and we were talking about the Deaf Comedy Jam. They just shot the 25th anniversary, mm-hmm. which had every major comic, like major black comics. So like Chappelle, Kevin Hart, um, Cat Williams, him, like all this, the kings of comedy other than Bernie Mac. It's like they were they were out there, man. Yeah. And. Um, I was supposed to be like a seat filler for the show, but I guess it fell through on their end late, and so I didn't get to go to the show, but I wanted to go because watching those guys is like watching the apex. That's the mountaintop, oh, yeah, man. For sure. If I get to watch Chappelle followed by Cat, followed by... Like, that's crazy, man. Like I grew up on these dudes. Yeah. And him and I were chopping it up, and he was like, I wish you could have been there just to be in a room to, to see, it. to feel it, to yeah. see what you see, what it could be, yeah. because that's why you move out it's here. That taste, man. The taste of it, and even though I'm not getting closest, I would have been a seat fill. I would have just been sitting in the audience. Oh, yeah. But he's like, 
just being in a room and watching just every act, like yep. him followed by Cedric, followed by Steve Harvey, by Eddie Griffin, it's just bang, changer. bang, bang. It's a game changer. And he was like, I wish you could have been there, dude, because even for us comics, it was crazy, like being yeah. in a room, like, oh, shit, like, you know, this guy's going to go up next. I, I mean, I grew up next to that guy, and now yeah. he's like 50, but still a big timer. Yeah. And I was disappointed I didn't have a chance to go because yeah. seeing that would have been like, I want to be... Let's say they do a 30th anniversary of Def Jam or whatever. Right, right. I want right. I want to be a person who's on the marquee. I want to be one of those 20 people that people are like, "Yo, you got Earthquake got there or whoever, whoever right, it is, right? right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was, I don't know, it gave me life on some level to know that you know, even someone at his stature and someone's been doing it for a long time still gets that kind of awestruck oh, thing. Yeah. I don't think it ever stops, to be honest. Yeah. Like. I mean, you've heard you've heard Kev talk about it yeah. several times about how he feels about Chappelle. Yep. You know what I mean? And like you, you hear Chappelle talk about how how he feels about Chris, yeah. Chris Rock. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I don't think that feeling ever stops. I think, um, you know, I think uh, I think your your time is coming soon because I know you all got y'all got a little something coming up uh, on Sunday so <laughs> yeah all right you want to plug well, this this comes out Sunday yeah. actually so we're not we're taping this the day before but oh, so that's fine spoiler alert yeah that's fine like, <laughs> they, whatever they'll be, they'll be fine like, they, they don't yeah, got, yeah, yeah. you don't know all the nuances of it but well, tonight <laughs> yeah so we'll, we'll say tonight we'll say tonight yeah um, so this actually ties back into the rut thing because yeah. um, tonight I'm using air quotes here right tonight um Myself and my coworker Marvin are going to be at the the comedy store performing, um, and the comedy store is like one of the dopest venues, if not the best venue in, in LA. Yep. And my rut has kept me from being on stage for like the last month, mm. and Preach. it's I'm making excuses about oh I got to make money or I'm tired or you know my car is messed up or whatever whatever excuse has been the excuses like kept me from being on stage, and the comedy store is the biggest and best thing you can do out here and if you do it well then you know you can kind of get some some notice and yeah. if you never know who's in the audience it could be talent scouts and that kind of thing out there yeah. and Marvin got booked for the show initially and the guy was like hey do you know any other comics who can who can perform and Marvin seen me perform a couple times including at the comedy store one time so he knows I can hold my own he's like yo I'm gonna get my boy Chris on it and when he first told me my first thought was Oh man, I know my car's in the shop nah. right now, dude. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I shouldn't do it. And yeah. I haven't been on stage for three weeks. Like my first thought was negative. Like maybe I shouldn't do it. Yeah. And then I had to like take a step back and be like, dude, this is the comedy store. Yep. You didn't have to audition for this. It's Somebody's plugging you, and you're already gonna, you're gonna be gonna be on the show. Why are you trying to like well, push this away? It's what you do. It's and that's what you do. That's yeah. what you do when you, when you're in a rut. I was just sacrificing a tremendous opportunity like yeah. normally you have to audition for the comedy store or you got this and that yeah. this is like hey we're putting you on the show and it's on the weekend yeah. and you know you get a certain amount of time it's not a two minute guest set right. and he, I, try, I almost talked my way out of it and he was like dude if your car's messed up I'll come scoop you um, just invite people to come out people want to come out and see you like just do it and I, and I say all right, like he he had to twist my arm, yeah, to get yeah, me to go yeah. to the comedy store, it's which so, is which is outrageous. It's so crazy how it's it usually feels like it's always like some kind of financial thing that causes us to yeah. like just causes us to lose all focus on what we're out here to do in the first place. Um, like, I mean, I'm making some some changes. I'm not gonna 
disclose everything. No, 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 but no. I'm making, talk about it till it happens. Yeah, no. but I'm I plan on making some changes that will help my my financial situation. So I'll go ahead and full disclosure. So my my car got towed, right? My car got towed off the street outside of my house like like a week ago today, and it was because of unpaid parking tickets, and I. To get my car back, I had to spend every last dime that I had to, you know, to keep getting by day by day. And I think that was that was kind of the realization, like, damn, like it put me in such a rut that I didn't want to do anything like I I didn't want to work on like grad school auditions. I didn't want to work on writing scripts. I didn't want to work. I didn't even want to go to my theater company that I go to like on Saturdays. And I realized, my girl helped me realize too, like, yo, like, it'll be, it'll be better if you have, like, a financial, like, foundation. Just for me, it would, for me, uh, it would be better, <laughs> <laughs> it would be better to have, like, that financial foundation because the way that my mind works is, like, when I, when I start struggling, because, and I think it just comes from where, my background, um, because I, I'm, I came from a, pretty affluent place where and I told my parents this I was very spoiled as a kid and I came from an affluent place so I always had everything kind of handed to me kind of there and so when so money was never an issue until I was out on my own and so when that money is gone it drives me insane to the point where I can't even function and it took me to go completely broke to realize like all right like i can't abandon all responsibilities <laughs> like i have to take care of what i gotta take care of so that i can do you know i mean you've heard it so many times do what you gotta do so you can do what you want to do it's cliche all if, the time. if that's not if that's not the most cliche but the realest shit you can think of like for me then i mean it was just it, that was the realization that i had to uh you know, to just kind of, oh, hey, Monica. Uh, <laughs> that was a realization I had um, for myself to kind of like, okay, I need to like make that change and focus on like something that I enjoy doing. Because when you get out here in LA, like you kind of, there's so many people like us doing, like trying to do the similar to the, almost the same thing. And right. it's so easy to like look at the next dude and be like, see? Uh, it's so easy to look at the next dude and be like, oh, I'm going to do what that person's doing. Right. And, uh, but you do that at the same time you sacrifice what it is you like doing because you think, you see what they're doing and you think, oh, that's how you're supposed to do it. Mm. Like, I'm going to do that instead of like what I've always done, what's gotten me to this point. You know what I mean? And I think, so what I was in, what I ended up doing uh, especially when I get in a rut, like I always look at what everybody else is doing and what's working for them. Mm. And so I always say, oh, okay, I'm going to do that. And when I start to do that and see that it doesn't work for me, right. I get miserable. And I start to say, I'm like, what am I doing? But then when I realized, when I went back to like what my roots are and I'm, I'm a theater actor, so that's like my thing. So when I started to do more theater stuff, I realized, damn, like, just even the smallest thing, like, opportunities kind of open doors. And so that being said, like, with, with this industry, you kind of realize, like, there's not one way. And the only way that it's going to go from one 
point to the next is if you like it another cliche if you do what it is you enjoy doing you know what i mean like not don't do what everybody else is doing what everybody else is doing and pretend like you like that more than the thing that you really love doing you know what i mean like you know we 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 oftentimes lie to ourselves about like what it is we enjoy like what it is we love to do sure. because we fear judgment or we you know we fear being different or we fear stepping outside of the comfort zone or any of that but the minute that you start to like be honest with yourself of like okay you know what like fuck everything else like this is what i'm doing can i curse true okay <laughs> my bad you already said it now i did i did my bad take it but, back <laughs> you can go ahead and beep that out yeah. um but like f everything else like and you start just doing what you like to do then it becomes second nature you know and like then you don't even you don't even think about what's on the other side of the mountain you don't even care you just know that you like like you're spending your time doing what you enjoy doing like i was saying this to somebody yesterday like time time is the most valuable currency you don't get you don't get that back so what are you doing so when like i was saying like when you're spending all of your time struggling sacrificing yourself just to get something that you don't even know if it's going to happen then what are you doing like you're wasting your time instead of spending your time just doing something that you that gives you life just know that everything's going to happen the way it's supposed to happen sure. that's what it anybody that's successful i guarantee you they'll tell you the same thing like I mean, shoot! Look at all. Look at everything that Jim Carrey's talking about right now. Jim Carrey's talking about a lot of stuff. Right he's now. talking about a lot of stuff right now, and he's speaking a lot of truth. People think he's crazy. I like Jim that Curry. man is speaking a lot of truth. He's had. He's been at the top. He's been paid, and yeah. he really, he's like, it's there's nothing on the other side that you there's no happiness on the other side that you can't acquire right now. You know what I mean? And so. With you, like, you've told me a bunch of times, like, yeah, stage is what gives you life, man. And I think that, you know, especially, you know, with your with your performance or your, your set coming up, like, it's, I guarantee that's going to remind you, especially, oh, yeah. especially at the comedy store. Have you ever done, you've done yeah, something done, at the comedy store. I've done store. a comedy store. Especially at the, my thing. I'm telling you, <laughs> but you're going to do your thing again, and I'm telling you, you're going to feel, you're going to be like, oh, this is it. And I guarantee you, it's going to turn into, it's going to turn into a snowball effect. You're just going to keep on getting up on stage, and you're going right. to, you're not even going to think about, like, you're not even going to be in a row. You're not even going to think about anything that's going to happen in the future. Because you're just gonna be so in the moment. You're just gonna enjoy getting up on stage every single time. You know what I mean? There's a there's a there's an energy to the stage. Yeah. And any comedian will tell you this. And I guess any singer probably has a, has the same effect. Where there's nothing you can do to simulate it. You know, like in sports, especially like in football, they can say you don't get in football and shape until you play football. Right. Right. You can do all the running you want and all that stuff, but until you get on the field and you your mental strain has a you know uh combined with your physical strain and right. like the pressure the moment and stuff it's different right. all those wind sprints and all that stuff that's fine but yeah. it's not the same yeah. the stage is similar to that where yeah. we all write jokes and then we think they're funny and we go out there and you may start going one way with the joke and then the crowd kind of eases off and you you feel that you feel them pull away from you you gotta yeah. like pull them back in or you feel them really riding with you yeah and then yes when you you take that wave with them you hit them surfs and you're getting it yeah. and 
the feeling you get if after you do a good set. Like the first time I did the comedy store, uh, it was maybe like five or six months ago, and um, my ex was there, and she uh, she hadn't seen me perform that much out here because I was working on a lot of new material, mm-hmm. and I was going through a lot of like bars and stuff, just trying to get the material clean. Right. And I don't like I didn't like her to see me working on material mm. because and that's some ego shit. I wanted her to see me when I perfected the what material. Is, yep. Like, so if I'm working it out and it's not working, and she's like, oh, well, that may be a good joke, because she doesn't get the process, so I exactly. didn't want her to be a part of it. Yeah. But when I was going to the comedy store, I was like, hey, I want you to come out. Uh, she, she came out, and I think I did like seven minutes. And I got like a little standing applause or whatever. Afterwards, a few comics like, yo, let's link up and shoot videos and stuff. Yeah. And, and she was, I felt bad because she had to sit in the audience alone mm-hmm. uh, watching me perform, but she was like, I'm so, I'm so proud of you because yeah. you went up there and I guess the two or three guys before me were like kind of off. Yeah. Like they're, I guess, local dudes. They just didn't bring it. Yeah. And I brought the energy of the room up and I was confident and I was comfortable and I did a little bit of crowd work and she was like, I'm so proud of you. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of sexy yeah. to watch you on stage do your thing. This is such a big venue. And you, when you walk into comedy store, you've never been. Right. On the walls, they have all the, com- the comedians who perform there. And it's like... Every legend you can think of has been there before, Dude. and so you you you, can, you kind of feel the improvs are kind of like that too. It's like you walk in and say, "Oh shit," yep. and I remember feeling how I remember how confident I felt driving home. Like I was even driving confident, like, <laughs> so I, leaning back. I was leaning back, put the seat all the way back. The speed limit was sixty. I was going a cool eighty. I'm like, they ain't gonna pull me over, though. I just hit I just hit the comedy store, oh, man. and it's it's something that just like anything, if you haven't done it. Like you have a taste for it, and you kind of like you miss it, and then when yeah. you get it back, then Ooh. you don't want to let it go. There's nothing. That's there's no better feeling, especially. I mean, there's, in my opinion, if you're pursuing anything, if you take like a long hiatus, a long unplanned hiatus, and then you do it again for the first time in like, what a long time, whatever. Let's say even a month, a year. It for me it was like, oh God, I took. Well, shoot, I haven't been in a play in over two, three years. Oh, man. Yeah. And uh, let alone, like, been on stage and performed. And for the, I performed, I got in front of people for the first time in last January, or this past January, um, when I was auditioning for grad schools. And I didn't get a call back for any of the schools that I auditioned for. But dude, when I tell you it was the best feeling to like to walk into a room and do a monologue for like auditors for like Juilliard and NYU, bro, it was like the best feeling. Like my girl was like, you, my girl was like, uh, she was she was weirded out because I didn't get a call back for any of them. She's like, why are you so happy? I'm like, I I got like I'm back in it. Like I've I've been reminded of what I love to do. You know what I mean? And uh, I'm telling you, like, that's so now, like, you know, and that's what I kind of, and again, like, being kind of losing your focus and, like, kind of, you know, life's challenges, they're meant to throw you off your game. Like, I feel, I believe in, like, lots of, like, different energies, and I feel like, you know, there's some, there's positive energy and there's negative energy. Sure. And there's negative energy out there to throw you off your game. Absolutely. And when you succumb to that negative energy, that it usually looks like you know you're it it looks like you're just not focused on what you love doing like it takes you away from what you love doing um 
but again, when you that that positive energy comes back when you get that little taste of like, oh yeah, Man. this oh yeah, this is what I do. It's like the time we went to the BET experience, dude. You Same were like, thing. I haven't talked about it on the podcast yet. So oh, know. yeah. Oh, but yeah. Um, a couple months ago, like myself, Everett, um, Marvin, and what's your boy's name? D'Angelo. Yeah, we all we went to like a BET experience. Um, and I guess it was like an open call for auditions for like future shows or like shows they currently have on air, like Being Mary Jane, those kind of shows. And I didn't even know about it. Like these, like Mar- Everett and Marvin told me about it. Yeah. Like, two or three days before like hey we're going out to this thing on Saturday we gotta be there at 4am to be in line 4am Yeah. and I was like man 4am <laughs> <laughs> man on a, it was a Saturday it was 4 Saturday morning at 4am I was 4 like man I'm not gonna go to no 4am audition See, y'all I, got me bent I wasn't gonna go either but Marvin Marvin talked me into he's y'all, like y'all, going he talked you and then y'all both talked me into yeah. it and I said man this is some BS the audition wasn't until like 10am but we had to be there at 4am so we end up going out and it's like legit, like 400 black people out there. It's awesome. Every uh, black person in Hollywood was there. Yeah, all these. All, all at least all the ones that haven't, like, quote unquote, yeah, made all, it. Yet. All the black ones <laughs> who haven't made it yet were out there. Yeah. And there was some belligerence because there's too many black people in one place. A couple, <laughs> couple people got pulled their paws out and wanted to you know, see the one and shit. But whatever. Uh, yeah. Happens to the best of That was the whole thing today. But um, so the, the audition was, I don't think people knew this going into it because they didn't really, like, disclose it. But. The audition was actually in front of everyone you were competing against. You were on stage, but everyone in the audience were people you were going against. And typically when you do, for those who don't, I guess, audition and stuff, you typically go in a room with like two or three people who cast. And then they record you, they watch you, ask a few questions, and you get out. It's a very quick process. Even when you do stand-up auditions, you don't, you don't always go in front of a crowd. And so a lot of people were like, oh my God, we got to perform in front of... 200 people and they were kind of freaking out about it yeah. now I'm a comic so I knew what time it was but <laughs> if you do monologues I imagine you never do a monologue in front of 200 people you know never right. never you never do it so it was, it was weird it was weird it was, so it was a weird energy and I don't do monologues I'm not an actor I'm a, I'm a comic and a host and they gave us the option to either do a monologue or do a hosting bit and they gave us a little copy for it and I said, I'm going hosting. I'm not. A, I don't want to be that guy doing at Denzel. The last minute. <laughs> yeah, at the last minute, they gave us like legit, like probably 30 minutes before I went on stage. They gave us some copy and said, read this and perform and perform it. And you went before. You went. Marvin went first, right? Yeah, Marvin went first. I went second. You went third. Right. Yeah. So everyone. So both of them did their thing. They both did monologues, yeah. and I'm like watching like the artistry of them acting and like the pauses and like the emotion and stuff and I'm trying to like pick up on stuff because I'm not an actor so I don't know what that's about and they and I had my copy I just went up there and just, I memorized the script and I just did my, my thing and none of us got callbacks it wasn't like I knew you thought it was going to be a good story <laughs> it was right. like, and, they, and now we're all in BET shows no we, none of us got callbacks none of that happened but when we left it was like the energy was man y'all did your thing up there yeah. and it was and even if we didn't get a call back, I'm sure there was politics involved in that, and maybe you know that was never meant to be anything more than what it was. Right. But the fact that we were there, we waited for like, by the time we performed, it was dude, probably like noon. So dude, yeah, we were there so for hours. The fact that we put eight hours in for what equated to a one-minute audition. I will say that I just I, I really appreciate that I went with a couple comics because it would have been dumb boring if I didn't go with y'all <laughs> the entire time oh my gosh the amount of trash talk from these guys Dude, was, was awesome. insane it was you great can't, you, can't, you, can't, you can't be around comics too long man we're going to talk shit we can't, we can't help it, it but fantastic. I remember like the drive home or I think we Uber home or whatever from that yeah. experience was like yeah. man that's 
that's dope. And now we, we were all hopeful we'll get callbacks, but none yeah. of us did. But it was like, I think we all felt confident in what we did mm-hmm. because there were, we were like, what, the 70, somewhere in the 70s yeah. performing. So we, we, we got to watch a number of acts in front of us mm-hmm. to see who were good and who were bad and who were unprepared, who was really prepared. So it was like, to do that performance at that, at that venue on that stage yeah. and to hold your own at the very least, if not like impress him, was like, was gratifying. That means the work you put in yeah. meant something. If you yeah. went up there and like that one chick, this one girl who decided she wanted to get into a fight in line because she skipped everybody. <laughs> and so we allowed, the way it worked out is she got to skip everybody, yeah. even though she was completely out of line. Right. And she went on stage and she bombed. Yeah. And it was the most beautiful example of karma <laughs> I've ever seen. Yeah. She went on stage was, and everybody was like, I don't know, she failed. And she forgot her lines three or four times. Yeah. She looked unprepared. And all we were thinking was, while you were skipping people, that's what happened. Had you been in the back of the line, you could have rehearsed better. <laughs> but you skipped everybody because you wanted to be a bitch. And then you got, then you took the L. It was she, awesome. She took a pretty big L. That it was, was awesome. Bad. So, I don't know, man. It's just, it's, it's nice to be, it's nice to, to know that what you're doing means something yeah. and, and it's worth it. And I will say that before, at least before meeting y'all, it was very, it was a, it was very lonely road for me at least because I felt like, cause my girl, like my girl is like my best friend, right? And I'm not from, I'm not from LA. So, I mean, I went to school here, but none of my people I went to school with stayed out here. So before that, before meeting y'all, it was very like, all right, like I got to do this on my own. And so I'm just gonna, I don't really have anybody to hold me accountable. My girl, she helps me, but she doesn't understand the dedication it takes and the sacrifice that we, that, that is required. Um, And so, you know, so that was all I kind of had. And so I would always have to kind of tell myself ever, you gotta do this, you gotta do that. And that wasn't always the case, you know, because we kind of get in our own our own problems, and we're not able to do that. But again, when I finally went to that with you guys, <clears throat> and like meeting you guys, and that it's almost like we all want each other to win, yeah. so we all hold each other accountable. And I think that there's a lot that there's a lot that um, there's a lot that holds a lot of weight. At least I I feel like I've been a lot more focused seeing not only is it like an accountability thing but it's also kind of like a oh okay like oh Chris is putting in this work oh shoot I gotta put in this work too like it's a like it's a friendly competition thing although we're in like different we're kind of in different realms of it it's still very much like oh okay like I see you working I respect that like I got it I want the same respect of like okay I'm gonna work oh Marv sees me working okay um, you know, he respects it. I'm gonna see, you know what I mean? Like it all, like when you have a community of, of artists that are like, you know, when you have, when all of your artists are friends, right. then it's, it's, it's so much easier to just stay focused and stay on path because it's enjoyable. That's it. Like it doesn't, it doesn't become a burden. It doesn't become a pain in your butt. It becomes, oh yeah, we just, we friends kicking it, talking, came up with this idea. It's organic. And people, right. and when you do decide to, put stuff out there or go up on stage or go perform the stuff that has manifested itself from your little powwows from hanging out people understand the difference between organic work and oh I'm just trying to get seen I'm just doing what everybody else is doing or I'm doing what everybody else thinks they're doing you know what I mean so 
uh, for this this being said for anybody that wants to kind of whatever move to LA move to New York move to any other city that has kind of an entertainment industry whatever you want to do I highly suggest you find some friends <laughs> highly suggest you get some friends and you do it with them because I mean that's that's it it's a whole different experience you know it's a whole different experience it makes it so much more enjoyable and you know and don't do those friends dirty either <laughs> well yeah you're gonna mean, be alone that's, that's, that's basic human relations <laughs> it but is it is I think um I want to say Patrice O'Neill said this and I think he was talking about like Mel Gibson or he was talking about the industry and at large and he said there's no like rogue people in Hollywood everybody has um, everyone has like a coalition. Everyone has the people that they ride with. Right. There's no people who just like, I'm doing myself by myself my own way. You got to you got to have lawyers in your corner, producers in your corner, like editors, people in your. You got to have that. And I think one of the things that is, and I mentioned this on a previous podcast, is that one of my things is I like doing things alone because I like having some amount of control of how things go. Yeah. And which is fine if you're like doing a project that you can easily control all the variables for but right. if you're doing something like this where you know you if, you if you don't know like if i didn't know you guys i wouldn't know even about the bet thing exactly right if you don't know about <clears throat> audition processes i think i wore a white shirt on my first audition and then oh. somebody was like yeah you don't wear white at auditions and i was like oh i didn't know right. but, yeah, but yeah. i didn't ask anyone who I, I, it would have been an easy question to ask. I have plenty of shirts. I could have just right. worn a different shirt. Yeah. But because I went in there, I'm, I'm look white and I'm black, so it's going to contrast my skin. <laughs> I had a whole logic behind it. Yeah. It just wasn't the right thing That's to like do. That's like the opposite of how you want to... Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when I came out, they had no idea. Yeah, and they were like, no. why are you wearing white? And I'm like, because I want to be clean as fuck. Like, <laughs> and then in, and I didn't get the part, obviously, because I wasn't, I wasn't even dressed the part. I'm but it's, it's, clean as fuck. it's one of those things that was easily avoidable yeah. had you had people in your corner that can like kind of guide you in the right direction and so one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on this podcast is because I know we've been chopping it up and you've been yeah. trying to get back into your podcast and yeah, man. I'm gonna I gotta allow you to get a copy of this as well so you can oh, yeah. do your own post yeah. and stuff because you had podcasts before I did yeah and, I did and you I guess got stuck in a rut I about do. doing them it just yeah. life happened and again like this whole podcast is is about I just I found an excuse to stop doing it and I let that negative energy, you know, keep me from, you know, keeping me from doing what I enjoy doing. Um, but that being said, I'm gonna go ahead and plug my podcast. It's the it's Ever Daily's I Hate Traffic podcast. Uh, it's on SoundCloud, on uh, on what is it? Apple Podcasts, iTunes, whatever. I don't but know, you got yeah, it's stuff. it's called the I Hate Traffic podcast. I made it when I was working full time, commuting 30 miles a day in traffic in L. A. Um, at my last job, and I realized I hated traffic, but I loved listening to podcasts. So I made the I Hate Traffic podcast for those who hate traffic. Um, but yeah, that's my little plug. Anyway, you gotta plug it up. But yeah. listen, man, we're gonna we're gonna close this out. I appreciate you being here. Yeah, we're no, gonna definitely. Thanks you, for having you, me, man. You got the plug in, so I don't even have to like say where can people listen to you. Nah, that's nah, you already got it. you already plugged in there. But um, thank y'all for listening to the Sunday Evening Podcast. We're gonna be back on Wednesday with part two of Janae's interview, which is going to be some stuff. So y'all get ready for that. Again, as always, if you have any questions, hit me up at social media, at Sexy Comedy on Twitter and on Instagram. And tell your friends about it. In case you like it and you want them to know about it, tell your friends. We want to get our viewership up so we can get some sponsors and I can start getting some free stuff. Listening ship. <coughs> That's what it is? Listening ship? I mean, it's not, you're not looking at the podcast. 
Listen, man. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you, I don't think listening ship is a word either, though. But I think you made that up. Yeah, but regardless. Did. Anywho, thank y'all for tuning in. Uh, we'll see you guys on Wednesday. Take care.